Please speak through my words. If anything is of me, let it be forgotten. But let everything of yours lodge in our hearts. Amen. In 2012, Macmillan Cancer Support published a survey of young people. On average, these young people had 237 Facebook friends. I know that may seem like a small number to some of us. <coughs> Alex Barry. <laughs> but when they were asked on how many they could depend in a crisis, the average answer was two. Friends, this is absolutely tragic. In our friending culture, we have lost what it means to be a good friend. This may explain why the rates of depression and loneliness are rising all the time. All of us need good friendships, no matter our age, personality, or background. As Alex mentioned last week, our triune God is the perfect community of friendship, Father, Son, and Spirit, eternally delighting in each other's friendship. And our triune God made us to enjoy friendship with, with him and friendship with each other. So it makes sense when we have good friendships, we thrive, we flourish, but when we don't, we disintegrate. In our times, there are many challenges to good friendship. Our culture is individualistic, we're increasingly mobile, and we're more and more busy. The days are gone when we stay in one place, and our jobs are more and more intense. This has meant our friendships are increasingly transient and temporary. And this is taking a huge toll on our well-being. And as Christians, having good friendships is especially important. There is no such thing as a Christian hermit, because it's impossible to live the Christian life alone. Alone, we believe the lies of Satan. Alone, we buckle under the weight of our sin. Alone, we become weary and discouraged in a God-belittling world. So today, in the book of Proverbs, we're going to learn what it means to be a good friend, both to other Christians and to those who don't know, don't know, uh, don't know Jesus. But due to the nature of the book, we'll be flitting around a lot. Um, I put the Proverbs there on our, on our yellow handouts. Um, now, there may be some among us who think, I don't have any good friends. Well, listen up. There are many encouragements on how to be a good friend today. Or there may be some of us who think, I have loads of good friends, I don't need to pay attention. <laughs> well, there are some healthy challenges for us as well. But first, let's turn with me to Proverbs 13, 20. That's on page 620. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. It's easy to have lots of superficial friendships. You may have hundreds of friends on Facebook, but how many of those friends will sit with us in times of trouble? Let me tell you a story of my friend Dan. He's a tragic example of being a friend of fools, a companion of fools. For all it seemed, Dan was going well at for all it seemed, Dan was going well Christianly in our first year at university. He went to the weekly student Bible study. He was involved with the Christian Union. He was active in sharing his faith. His theology was sound. But by the end of our time together, he no longer came to church, and his faith was in tatters. 
He had become friends with the cool drinking crowd. All they cared about were girls drinking and having fun. And this put a huge wedge between himself and his Christian friends. And sadly, over the three years, he stopped coming to church, and his faith was shipwrecked. A companion of fools suffers harm. So often people leave the church, not because of bad theology, but because they don't have good Christian friends. We need good Christian friends to encourage us, because there's no such thing as a Christian hermit. So what we need are wise friends. He who walks with the wise grows wise. And today we're going to find out what it means to be a wise friend. Firstly, wise friends are constant. Turn with me to Proverbs 17, verse 17. That's on page 652. 17:17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Wise friends are there when we really need them. They love at all times, when the going is good and when the going is tough, in the plain sailing and when it's rough. It's only in suffering adversity we realize our deep need for friendships. It's only in suffering adversity we realize who our true friends are. My good friend Ian wonderfully embodied this proverb, a friend loves at all times. So in our first year at university, our friend Kieran was deeply depressed. His heart had been broken and his life was spiraling out of control. And he was on the verge of committing suicide several times. But Ian stayed with Kieran in his room sleeping on his floor night after night for two weeks. He spent hours listening to him, being with him, and persistently praying for him. And now Ian did this at great cost to himself. He lost loads of sleep, he bore this huge emotional weight, and his exam results suffered. But the fruits of Ian's friendship were enormous, they were huge. Kieran came out of his depression and began to flourish again. And two years later, Kieran came to put his trust in the Lord Jesus. He had seen Christ's love so clearly embodied in Ian. But being a constant friend is challenging, isn't it? It's so easy in the busyness of life to lose contact with people. But I'm sure there are friends in your life who have stood by you in times of trouble. So how can we be a better constant friend? Here are some practical suggestions I found really helpful. Firstly, invest deeply in a few. Invest deeply in a few. We don't have time to be friends with everyone. And that's why small groups are so essential. We cannot be friends with 100 people, but we can be good friends with a small number. If you're not part of a small group here today, I cannot recommend them highly enough. Do speak to Andy if you'd like to get involved. But what might it look like to invest deeply in a few? Well, maybe you know someone in your small group who you know doesn't have any good Christian friends. Why not go out of your way to get to know them better, to encourage them in the Christian life. Secondly, be intentional. Good friendships take time and effort. For friendships to form, we need regular contact with them. Take one-to-ones, for example. It's very easy to say, let's meet in a couple of weeks. But how often do those two weeks become months? How can we support our friends if we never see them? I find pinning down a time so helpful in making one-to-ones happen. So I say, Joe, Tuesday, 7.30, breakfast at yours. I'll bring the bacon. I find that so helpful in making, making it happen. <laughs> he does make a good breakfast, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Thirdly, be open with your struggles. When we open with our struggles and temptations, our friends will find it easier to do the same. So when we pray together, it's so easy, isn't it, to pray very generic prayers. I think, I'll pray for my granny who doesn't like cake, something like that. We never go, <laughs> we never go beneath the surface. Um, but that's, that's wrong. It's okay to share our struggles. In fact, it's healthy. I found when I open up with my struggles and my temptations with those I pray with, this friendship is strengthened. They do the same. So we've seen that wise friends are constant. They love at all times. And secondly, wise friends are careful. Turn with me to Proverbs 27, verse 14. That's on 663. Proverbs 17, 27, verse 14. If a man blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Wise friends are careful to show emotional sensitivity. As good friends, we need to learn to say the right things at the right times and in the right way. For example, kind words won't be well received if given over breakfast too loudly and that person isn't a morning person. So my sister Sarah, when she was growing up, was by no means a morning person. Um, in the morning, she was like a grizzly bear emerging from the depths of her cave. <laughs> she would growl at us. And we quickly learned to tell things a few hours later. Similarly, bombarding people with cheerfulness when they're feeling low is very unkind indeed. So Proverbs 25, 20. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on soda, is one who sings songs with a heavy heart. Can you, have, can you imagine having your coat necked on a wintry day? It would be horrible, wouldn't it? So don't sing songs with a heavy heart. I know I've caused so much pain and so much upset by not reading a situation rightly and saying something with the wrong tone. We need to learn the differences between our friends and then we can respond appropriately. Some are thick-skinned and others are sensitive. Some are introverted and some are extroverted. Some like Taylor Swift, and some don't, and that's okay. <laughs> the thick skin will need a more direct word, whereas the sensitive among us will need a more gentle approach. The introverts will need more space, whereas the extroverts will need much more regular contact. When our friends are low, some will need light-heartedness, light banter. Some will need simply to be sat with, to be listened to. Knowing how to respond to our friends with their various differences, their different personalities, will come only through knowing them deeply. This is all the more reason to invest deeply in our friendships. If we spend all our time in the superficial realm, and we never go lower, never go beneath the surface, we're in danger of causing much harm. And similarly, wise friends are careful to respect boundaries. But we're still on page 661, turning me to Proverbs 25:17. Proverbs 25:17. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and he, he will hate you. <laughs> Maybe we can relate to this. <laughs> By knowing our friends deeply, we get to know the boundaries they need. As good friends, we need to be careful to respect them, to respect their boundaries. So if we overload our friends by seeing them too much or too demanding too much of them, that will put a strain on the friendship. 
but sometimes boundaries will change. Um, and it may no longer be appropriate to spend so much time with them. This is true with newly married couples or friends who have uh, a newborn baby. But that's not to say that getting married or having children is an end to other friendships, far from it. But it will mean the boundaries will change. So a good question to ask is whether the amount of time you spend with them, is it a help or is it a hindrance? But there's also a danger in going too far in the opposite way for young uh, married couples with young children to isolate themselves. Don't make your new circumstance an excuse to not have good friends. We can't do that. We need each other. So invest in friends who know us, know us well enough to respect our boundaries, but stay close enough to anchor us in place. Thirdly, wise friends are candid. Wise friends are candid. Flick with me to Proverbs 27, verse 6. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. This is quite a striking proverb, isn't it? It seems to be the wrong way around. Friends are wounding, enemies are kissing. But the point is this. Good friends will tell us the hard things we need to hear. They will ask the hard, the hard questions we need to be asked. When they wound us, it's never meant to cause us pain for pain's sake, but to heal us. They wound us for our good. And we need friends who are willing to risk wounding our pride in the short term for the long-term good of our soul. I remember several occasions when good friends of mine would take me to one side and say, Dave, you're out of line. You're being too intense and you're not living in the light of the gospel. At the, at the time, these wounds really stung. It hurt, and my pride kicked back. But now, I'm so thankful that they had the courage to do so. I love Jesus more deeply because of what they said. One of the men in the morning congregation had concerns about a woman marrying his best friend. He sat on it for weeks, but eventually he spoke to him and voiced those concerns. And when he did so, that friend also had concerns, but he was scared because things had gone too far. He didn't get married to that woman, and it was good because it would have been really unhealthy. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Whereas in the language of the proverb, enemies multiply kisses. Bad friends don't address our sin, but instead they flatter us. They coddle our egos, telling us what we want to hear, but not what we need to hear. By flattering us, it's like putting a plaster on a gaping wound. So is it difficult to wound a friend in this way? You bet. But we find it hard to tell people the hard truths. We find it hard to ask the hard questions. But this is often for selfish reasons. We don't like the awkwardness that these conversations can bring. We Brits flee awkwardness like the plague. We don't want our friendships to be weakened. But when we avoid telling our friends the hard truths, we do more harm than good. Listen to Proverbs 29, verse 5. Whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. By flattering our friends and not challenging them in their sin, we spread a net for their destruction. Now that's very sobering, isn't it? So we may be aware of people in our small group who we know are living in a way contrary to what God has said. So maybe we have a friend who is sleeping with their partner outside of marriage. 
Or maybe we have a friend who worked so hard at the cost of their family. Or maybe we have a friend who only comes on Sundays, never serves. Friends, if we don't lovingly confront each other in these situations, then in the language of the proverb, we're enemies multiplying kisses, we're spreading a net for their feet. Or think of our non-Christian friends. Do they know that Jesus says they will go to hell if they don't put their trust in him? Are we willing to cross the pain barrier for the sake of the friend? So here are a few questions to mull over. Are we willing to risk ruining a friendship for the sake of the friend? Do we have friends in our lives who will tell us the hard things, who will ask the hard questions? And finally, our last point on our handout. Wise friends are Christ-like. But after hearing all of that, we may think, I'm a rubbish friend. I'm a rubbish friend. I've definitely been convicted this week as I've been preparing. But there's good news for us. The book of Proverbs doesn't mention Jesus explicitly, but Jesus embodies all these Proverbs perfectly. They're all fulfilled in him. So he's wisdom incarnate. He's the one greater than Solomon, and he is the wisest friend. The Pharisees mocked him as the friend of sinners, but ironically, that's exactly who he was, the friend of sinners. So Jesus is the most constant friend. He loves at all times, and he is the brother born for adversity. Jesus abundantly welcomed all the outcasts who had been pushed to the edges of society. Do you remember what he said to Zacchaeus, the despised wealthy tax collector who cheated his friends? Come down from the tree. I must stay at your house. Jesus loved the difficult, the undeserving, those who mocked him, those who abandoned him. So much so, he went willingly to the cross to save them. He truly is the friend of sinners who chose to face our punishment we deserved. And today, his love is so constant, so dependable as it ever was. His promise to be always with us to the very end of the age. He is the truest brother in adversity. When we weep, he weeps with us. And the burden of the crosses we face always lie heaviest on his shoulders. He is praying for us before our Father in heaven as our elder brother. And he's the most intentional friend. He invested deeply in 12 men, and those 12 men changed the world. Jesus is the most careful friend. He is the most gentle, sensitive person. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not put out. Do you remember the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8? Do you remember how gently he spoke to her? He was the only person without sin. He didn't throw the stone, but instead he defended her. And yet he challenged her, leave your life of sin. Jesus was the most candid friend. Jesus was able to say the hardest things, and he always spoke the truth. So he openly challenged the hypocrisy of the religious leaders, and that cost him his life. Friends, Jesus really is the wisest friend. He truly is the friend of sinners. So if you're not a Christian here today, can you see Jesus' hand of friendship extended out towards you? He is the most dependable friend we long for. He loves us with an everlasting love, and he gave up everything to save us. So will we receive his gift of friendship and put our trust in him?
So who are the wisest friends? The wisest friends are Christ-like. You become a better friend by living as Jesus lived, by loving deeply as he has loved us deeply, by being gentle with people as he has been so gentle with us, being straight with our friends, asking the hard questions as he has been straight with us. We become better friends by pointing each other to the best friend. So here are a few application questions to, to mull over. Do we have Christ-like friends who will tell us about Jesus? Do we have friends who will tell us the hard truths? And finally, how can we be such a friend? Let's pray. Praise you, Heavenly Father, that the Lord Jesus is the wisest friend. Praise you, Lord Jesus, for your immense constant love. Praise you for being so gentle and honest with us. And Heavenly Father, please help us to be Christ-like friends for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.